Threads is a British TV movie from 1984 that builds up to a nuclear apocalypse and follows the few who survive into a bleak future. It's got a docudrama style and gets surprisingly dark, so let's head to the Fallout shelter and take a look. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Hello. What was that sultry hello? <laughs> I I didn't plan on sultry. It just happens naturally. Uh, so you did a pause and you did a little head bob and sort of like, not, not a wink, but like, a, like an eyebrow raise. Uh, I did camera. a wink. Hello. <laughs> uh, we should be charging for that. That's that's, that's mail for only fans content right there. Uh, welcome everyone. Uh, this is a science fiction movie podcast. Uh, we get together. We're working through post-apocalyptic movies. We're doing a little mini season of those. Um, this is our second of those, and this is a movie from 1984 called Threads, which I had never heard of. I don't think Tara had ever heard of. But when we went looking for you- post-apocalyptic movies. This ended up. Uh, you know, popping up on a lot of the lists that we're looking at. So I was like, all right, so th- this ended up being in the vote. This was their patrons' vote episode, and they picked this over things I can't remember. It's been too long since that vote was up, but Threads won. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. We'll start spoiler free as we always do, and we'll give you a warning before we get to the spoilers. Uh, oh, we should, uh, you know, I put an announcement video, but we probably should mention it on the show itself that you'll be vacating the show and. That is correct. About 10 episodes, give or take. Um, I'd have to go back and count. Let the countdown begin. But uh, it's probably worth mentioning it every so often on the show so people who just listen to the audio feed actually know that uh, the change is coming. Uh, The show will continue, um, but with someone who doesn't wink as nicely as Tara does uh, in the (laughs) other seat. Has David winked at you before? He hasn't, but I don't want him to. <laughs> if he does it, I may give him a stern talking to. If only I could do it as nicely as Red Brown. <laughs> Don't move. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we'll get into threads. Uh, the the post-apocalyptic uh, movie, which obviously you said to me when you started watching this that it didn't feel like it was a post-apocalyptic movie uh, because the the civilization was still very much functioning. But it is a movie that builds up to the apocalypse and then keeps going after the apocalypse. So I think enough of it's afterwards that I see why it pops up on post-apocalypse because it kind of really does jump ahead and sort of look at the after effects. It's not if it was just like the last ten, like let's say the apocalypse happened in the third act and there was only like ten minutes afterwards, I would probably dispute if this should count as post-apocalyptic. But I think like the entire last hour uh, is you know post-apocalypse so yeah it um i still think the post-apocalypse thing is mostly the last like 20 minutes because i would say dealing with the immediate aftermath happens at the hour mark you sure, know okay. and then so you're and then, arguing that's still the apocalypse yes <laughs> Okay. I think of when I think of post-apocalyptic, I think like the next generation, at least. Okay. You know? Okay. All right. I mean, people I, who are people who are living in this world who have like, oh, like, uh, gangs have now popped up, cannibalism, you know, all the usual stuff. 
Yeah, I, I can get your argument. I, I, I see why this pops up, though, when it comes to this topic. I see why yes. this, this pops up on these lists. Uh, so we'll get into all I will, that. I will say I'm a little on the fence about this being a post-apocalyptic movie, but I'm I'm still okay with it. Okay. Well, like, I mean, if it shows up on list, I, I won't be like no. You know, I won't I won't fight on that the, hill. I mean, the patrons voted for it, so even if even if we watched it and went no, I wouldn't consider that post-apocalyptic. We still have to do it anyway. So it's, it's a, <laughs> that would just be the the story of the review. I I, I do <laughs> think enough of it is post-apocalyptic to to kind of count. Although, most post-apocalyptic stories, you may get a little bit of a flashback, you may get a little bit at the start, but typically, they do just start when they're post- you know, we're already, like, settled after said apocalypse. Mm -hmm. uh, this is very much not that. This, this is a little bit of the... Obviously, it's not based on a true story, but it's, it's, it's got a little bit of Chernobyl in it, and that it's kind of like... I was feeling Chernobyl big time watching yeah. the last hour of this. Yeah, once it's like talking about you know radioactive effects and fallout and like it, 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 it does have a very docudrama kind of approach. There's even a narrator. There's captions that come up basically saying, "Hey, one day after, here's the things that are going to be affecting the population. Here's what's going to happen." So on, so on, so. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the, the the premise of the movie is that we kind of follow this young couple in present day 1984 Sheffield, England who are sort of just starting their life together and we're introduced to their two families. In fact, so the, the couple's uh, Ruth and Jimmy and I think every character in this movie will probably refer to as related to them. Because I don't know any of their names, but it's, you, you meet both their parents and their like siblings and whatever and they've got like their own little threads <laughs> in the movie. So, uh, but... Nice. Basically, over the course of the first hour, you hear just in the background, there's like, oh, there's, there's tension rising in the Cold War between the US and the Soviets. And it, it, it kind of keeps escalating. And obviously, like, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, there's going to be a nuclear bomb or two. That's just kind of what the whole premise of the movie is. But we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll, we'll see how we feel. This, this we'll is in our post-apocalyptic month or season, whatever it is. It would be, yeah, it would be very <laughs> weird if we tried to hide. Oh, yeah. There might be a, an apocalypse in this. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, okay, well, what did you think then? And we should also mention this is a TV movie, actually, before we go any further. Uh, so it's 4 by 3 and I don't know, I mean, I assume it was on the BBC in 1984, but I do not know. Uh, but it's, it's just one of those things. It's definitely on now. <laughs> it is one of those things, though, where it was popping up. Like, every single... You know, top 10 post-apocalyptic movie list that we looked at looking for options. Like, this was popping up on a lot of them. So, anyway. Tara, what did you think of Threads? I was pretty unsure in the beginning of it because uh, it did not feel like a post-apocalyptic film. And it felt like we were spending way too much time before anything happens um, where I was just super bored and didn't really care all that much because it it also has this very educational vibe to it like you said it's kind of like a docudrama with the narrator and stuff like that and i'm like what is this vibe that it's giving off i'm not sure but after the events happen things get real crazy and real dark and real interesting and i actually really like the structure of it and i like the uh docudrama feel of it i like the narration um, I actually very much enjoyed this movie, much more than I thought I was going into it. Yeah, I think 
the first half feel because I think the first half like is successful in feeling like it's a bunch of real people you're watching. They're not really, but it feels like they're real people. Like, they feel really down to earth, mm-hmm. working class people in Sheffield. And I think that it's almost intentionally kind of dull and boring in how it presents them for the first hour. Because the whole point is, no, these are regular people who are going to be thrust into this tragedy, <laughs> this crisis that like is yeah. so different. And it, ma- it made the crisis feel like a bigger deal. That it was these regular... This wasn't some like action hero who were seeing... It's not The Rock making his breakfast and going about his day-to-day office life, but he's The Rock. So when, you know, the bombs fall, okay, he's going to turn into action, man, and he's going to, you know, flex those muscles. It's not yes. that. It's it's regular Joe Schmoes and, you know, people who are, you know, with normal, dull, boring problems. Yeah, and, and like, you, can, you can hear, like, the news and stuff in the background of people talking about escalations and other governments you know like obviously america and russia and the middle east and stuff like that so you can hear it all going on in the background and you understand what they're setting up but you know people are sort of half taking it seriously but it is so realistic that i'm just like okay can we get to it already (laughs) but i think uh, if i were to go back and watch it again i actually would enjoy that stuff more i think it yeah it makes everything the back half it harder and like you said it gets shockingly dark for for something that aired on TV yeah. in 1984. Um, this this goes into some pretty depressing visuals, and it's honestly when I put up the road episode last week, my title on YouTube was the most depressing post-apocalyptic movie <laughs> question mark ever, and I don't know. This may actually be more depressing <laughs> by the end. Yeah, I, it is definitely uh, darker, much more depressing. But um, more fun to watch than the road. Oh, okay. So that's, that's saying something. <laughs> All right, okay. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll get into all the details in a bit. But uh, yeah, I, I think you know. Obviously, it it pulls all these little tricks. You know, it uses still frames sometimes. You know, to sort of get almost that uh, legerty kind of vibe where it'll show you like this depressing image of an apocalypse where it would cost too much to actually do something on this scale in camera for mm-hmm. a, a TV movie. So they kind of just set up a still frame of it and have it look grainy and kind of like, you know, grimy and have the narrator say something over it and it kind of works. Um, but that said, there is a lot of in-camera stuff too. There's a lot of, um, you know, people walking around debris and things like that. And Yeah, a lot of, like models of people on fire. There's <laughs> like, a lot of corpses. There is a lot of corpses. so many corpses in this. Uh, you know, and there there are like burned corpses as well. So these charred, just like skeletons and like just yeah, you know, real nasty. It's it definitely has bite to it, which mm-hmm. is impressive. Um, I I wasn't sure what I was expecting from this, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of the posters have like the the image of like a well, like a soldier with like, this bandage over like, the top half of his face, and I, th- I kept thinking he was going to be like a, a big character in the second half once we got to all the apocalypse stuff. But he is literally just like there in one scene, pretty much. Yeah, he, he's not like a prominent character at all. They just realized that was a good visual, and that's what they're going to slap on the posters. Yeah. So, you know, um, but yeah, um, yeah, surprisingly effective. Um, and it tackles the logistics quite a bit. I think one of the, my favorite things that it does is that it it kind of just gives you the sense that time passes, and then 
certain characters are just dead. Like, it, you know, I won't spoil who or what here, but there's definitely moments in this where you'll, every so often, we're jumping around all these different characters, and then eventually you'll just stop jumping to one of them, and then event, you know, and then a bit later you'll see someone else go to where they are, or you'll see something else that reveals that, oh, they've been dead for a while. Like, they've just already mm-hmm. been gone. And the movie doesn't show you a dramatic death scene, it just kind of, like, oh, like, people are just dying left and right, and you're not aware of it. It's kind of like putting you in the shoes of people not knowing if their loved ones are already dead and things like that, uh, which is yeah. a big part of the movie as well. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I, I enjoy the, um, kind of the the chutzpah of the film, you know? <laughs> Movie's got, the, the movie actually has quite a lot of, uh, a lot of balls. <laughs> a lot or i think teeth you said teeth right i said teeth yeah 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 no there is the there is real like um the not dramatic license but like the the style of the storytelling i think is kind of daring um in that it, it could have lost me you know if i wasn't watching this for the show um, in the first half of the film, I might have been like, eh, I, mean, I don't think this is for me <laughs> or something and change the channel. But I, I think it it does pay off with how with its realism and um, with the uh, the style of storytelling. I had a different point, but I lost it. I'm sorry. Distracted by a cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it comes back, you feel free to uh, interject. <laughs> sorry. I blame you. Well, now I've got nothing at the ready because I thought you were going to make a point and I was going to, well, I'll, I'll respond to whatever Tara says. <laughs> what, what were you talking about before? Uh... Movie's got teeth or balls or both. <laughs> it does, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's little touches as well in the direction that they, they go and it, they do make it feel like a film as opposed to something because I think when you look at something made for TV, especially you know, in the 90s, and in this case, the 80s, you do get, like, a very, like, basic shooting style. You get just the coverage and no more. This mm-hmm. does actually have cinematic little moments where it'll focus on the photo of a wife in the foreground, or it'll uh, look at something else to sort of create a more, sort of, uh, minimalist moment, or even, like, a, a somber moment by just, you know, focusing on an item that kind of tells you part of the story separate from what the the characters are doing in the scene or something, you know? Mm-hmm. It's very efficient and it's very smart with how it uses its things, even though it does feel very different to the vast majority of what we think of as how movies are told. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of, like, educational films that you would watch in school or something like that. I think also it came out the same year as, like, 1984, mm-hmm. the bbc movie or well, british movie yeah it wasn't um, i don't think it was bbc but yeah british movie. <laughs> but it was british yeah so i and it kind of has the same dour vibe to it and look to it and obviously sound <laughs> but i think the um yeah it reminds me of something that you would watch like an educational film like with the narrator he's not you know full attenborough or anything but he's um it's like a something you would the like, teacher would put on for like a week while you while you uh while while they like nap behind the desk or something so <laughs> you can watch this uh film and it's it's very much like um 
<sighs> Dang it, I did it again. We shouldn't we shouldn't record at this time of day. <laughs> I thought you were the morning person. <laughs> oh, I'm just distracted. Um well, on on it having a similar feel to 1984, I will say that I agree in part kind of with the dourness, although I think it's very clear that that's a film that was made as like a, a theatre release and that this is a TV movie. Just in the in the quality of the of the, the footage, the quality of like the, the production design. And that's not to say that this doesn't have a lot of work put into it to like do a lot of its like destruction destruction scenes and things like that. But it definitely like the early stuff when it is just normal present day do look like a like a British TV show of that time period, mm-hmm. whereas nineteen eighty four never does. Nineteen eighty four always felt like a, a movie. I think that was Deakins, right? Roger Deakins did that. Like one of his early works too. Well, so. I don't remember, but that probably would help make it feel like a like a theatrical film. There was something else I was thinking about this being the same year as, and I've it's it's escaped me. But you you made me, you made me think of it there because you said that this was the same year as nineteen eighty four. While I was watching it, there was something in my head where it's oh, it's weird that this is. Aren't you doing like a 1984 watch list or something? Yeah, yeah, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, Mm. I'm not talking about that. But there was definitely something that popped in my head while I was watching it that was goes, oh, it's weird that this is the same year as that. Um, and I'm not sure now what I was thinking about, but you have annoyingly made me remember that I had that thought because you brought up 1984. (laughs) I'm glad it's not just me today. Yeah, but you've done it twice. <laughs> and I was able to give more information, so I won. All right, fine. <laughs> God, well, come on, what else you like about it? Um, I think the, uh, the actual, like, shooting of everything that ha- happens with the, uh, with, with the bomb, like, I think it's really clever and more impressive than I thought it would be. We've kind of already talked about it a bit, but like the actual set designs and trick camera tricks that they do are, are really clever and creative. And it does feel big, like a, like a massive explosion. I think and even, what surprised but, me is that I wasn't like, I was expecting just a flash of light. I wasn't expecting anything else. Right. Mm-hmm. And but you do actually see a mushroom cloud and it's not like, and even if you told me that before I watched that, I'd have been like, ah, oh, it'll be stock footage of a mushroom cloud. It'll, you know, that's all it'll be. But whether or not they did their own effect or not, I'm not sure if it is just like a stock bit of footage, but they superimpose it with the skyline to like, at least like there's, there's a shot of people looking over and seeing a mushroom cloud and it's there. You see it. And I was surprised mm-hmm. by that. And then they do all the other tricks as well. They do the flash of light um, and there's this sort of repeated flash of light thing as well, where there's like all these like things happening in between, um, and it does have this kind of heavy, like, weight to it, where it does feel like I think everyone I just was looking at in that previous second is is definitely dead because mm-hmm. how could they otherwise survive? You see, like um, parts of buildings fall on people, and like. Uh... Yeah, and and the I mean the way it's done was at first was kind of annoying because it was like a, a countdown or like a build up, and I'm like I'm not like keeping track of all these days that they're telling me, so like whatever. But and and then it but then it does like kick in like oh like you know 
this this amount of time has passed and now these are the things that you can expect to see or this is the thing that uh, has run out and um, these are the diseases that have popped up and things like that that I thought was oh now I now I enjoy that format <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's worth mentioning that the title in the movie says threads and then says by Barry Hines and that's the writer not the director so that, this is you know British TV is always uh, like prop, propped up the writer more than the director of, of, of stuff for whatever reason um, and that's not to say that I don't think the writer should have uh, uh, all the praise in the world but I think the director and the writer should get, get, get praise it's just weird to ignore the director when I feel like all these little visual touches and the way it's shot and things like that, that's the director that's uh, at the, the head of all that Well, maybe, maybe it's a writer that's more well known than you know, for someone like oh, maybe. us, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe this, uh, whatever. Maybe this is based on some source material that was well known. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Barry Hines seems to have a bunch of writing credits. Uh, although his last thing was in 1992, so although the price spread out by the looks of it, like his first things in 1969 and his last things in 1992. Are you just looking at IMDb? Yeah. So that's just his film, or whatever he's linked to. True, true, yeah, um, he could be an author as well. Yeah. That's entirely possible. Maybe uh, he is like in Attenborough, but for nuclear fallout and war. <laughs> um, well, that's kind of weird, because you, you said that about the narrator earlier. Do, do you yeah, but Attenborough he... was a like a biologist, a naturalist, and a prolific writer, but also did the narration for... Um, you know, all the animal stuff and nature documentaries. Oh, that's fair. I, I'm just, uh, in, in the context of this show, though, you already re referenced Attenborough as the narrator, so I'm just, I'm, I'm making that clear distinction between the two things. Okay, yeah, I don't think this guy is the narrator. He Maybe he is, and I missed it, but... <laughs> I don't know, I'm looking. No, the narrator's Paul Vaughn, whoever that is. <clears throat> Good voice. It's a pretty generic TV but documentary I like that voice. Because it sounds like an educational oh, yeah. film that you would watch on TV. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm, I'm not. Um, uh, yeah, that wasn't a critique. That, that, that that's yeah, part, that's part of it. Like, part of the reason why this movie is so effective is because it does feel like this. Like you're, real you're in the future thing. watching the past thing that happened, and you're like, "Oh, humanity made its mistake. Here's the lead up, and here's what happened after." Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's clearly the feel they're going for. They're going for the sort of thing that you would show in a school to show the effects of something. It just so happens that this has never happened, really. You know, yes. and it's theoretical. Um, right. You know, obviously, yes, Japan was hit with two nuclear bombs, but that was a little different. And um, this seems to be the whole world. Well, that's the thing. It seems to be, but honestly, like we hear so much about the Soviets and the U.S. in the first half and the news in the background. Once the apocalypse hits, you never hear anything yeah. about the rest of the world. We have no idea if the U.S. and Russia are also nuked. We have no idea if the rest of Europe's nuked. We do not yeah. know. We don't know. We can kind of infer because we do hear on the radio, like I think it's the day before everything happens that two nukes were dropped in the middle east so that's the only thing that i think we hear and yeah, then that's we the only thing we know that, yeah that causes the all the nukes to go off and that's the yeah that's the start of the chain reaction would, seemingly 
Yeah, why else would, you know, the UK get hit? Yeah. Unless they were just firing everything. Well, well, no, there is a reason why Sheffield's hit specifically. They do, they do give you a reason in the movie. Oh, I missed it then. <laughs> well, I'll tell you in spoilers, otherwise it... Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, here um but yeah like but you don't you never hear about the rest of the world the fact that no one comes to help would make me think that the rest of the world is also in a similar position because you i would like to think if the uk was hit with some nukes that the, all the allied countries uh might, <laughs> might send some boats with supplies food emergency services yeah, things it, of that you don't nature. see like planes going overhead afterwards either so like no, you would think there no. would be war <laughs> going on <laughs> Well, that's, that's what they always say about uh, a nuclear war, is that it would be quick. <laughs> like, it wouldn't yeah. be this prolonged thing. It would be over quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, it is kind of funny, though, watching this um, as the perspective of someone in the UK. No, no, obviously, I'm Scottish. I'm not English. Never mind from Sheffield, which is a very specific... No one ever talks about Sheffield. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just... It's, it's like workman country England. Uh, but it's, it's funny watching a movie about this happening that's not from the u.s because it has this kind of like perspective of oh if this all happens it's not really because of us mm-hmm. <laughs> it's these it's these two other powers that are having this pissing contest it's and, it's very the day the earth caught fire yeah we're going to be caught in the middle of this shit because mm-hmm. obviously yeah we're allied with the u.s and that's something that comes up but like it is very much the well. If this all goes down, like, because I feel like you know, obviously, yeah, day the earth caught fire is a good example of like, you know, the UK being caught in the crossfire. Well, not just the UK; that's the whole world that's affected in that. But um, we only get it from the perspective of yeah, people in the UK though, in England, I think. But you know, typically when you're talking about the threat of nuclear war, it tends to be, you know, it tends to be like a US thing. It tends to be, oh, we're in this this fight and we're. Or, you know, do we press the button to launch the nukes or do we, or do we not? And I think it's interesting to get it from the perspective of, of of some place that has no button. We don't have any mm-hmm. nukes to fire. I mean, maybe we do. I don't know. But, like, it's certainly not in the same way that, you know, that you think of the Cold War and you think of the two megapowers that are actually fighting. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an interesting perspective to, to watch mm-hmm. it from that. So... Um, I, I'll say spoilers, though, so we can get into everything and, and talk about stuff. Uh, so spoilers for threads from this point on. Um, what I was getting at before when I said that they do give us a reason why Sheffield specifically is hit is they establish early on that there is an RAF base, like a, you know, like a, which is the RAF, like the the, the air force of the UK basically. Um, but it meant, we do see the the jets taking off. Yeah, well, it meant, yeah, but it also mentions specifically that it's used for US jets as well. That the US military use this place as a I see as okay, a stopgap yeah. uh, when they're flying into Europe and stuff. So mm-hmm. they do give us a direct reason why this is a target. This is a military target. That's uh, true. We do have bases all over the world. Yeah. So, you know, that, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, the, so that 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 gives you not that you really need one really, but it just gives you enough to know. That's why this city specifically is hit, because there is a direct thing that the Soviets would say, we want to stop this, because we know they've got planes there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, do you need that? You probably don't, but it's enough. It, especially in that first half of the movie where you're building up to it, and you're like getting all the clues as to where this is going. It's like, okay, that's why they might hit here. And they're, you know... And I, I, one of my favorite things about the first half is that 
this is all happening in the news in the background of this, and it's the same reporter who keeps coming on and talking about what's happening. And does... doesn't she kind of look like Kate Blanchett? Eh? Uh, oh come on! I don't know. I never, <laughs> I never, it never occurred to me. But I like that when this first starts, no one pays attention to it. No one's paying attention to a thing she's saying. It's ah, the Soviets in the U.S. are squabbling over something again. Everyone just ignores it. But then gradually over the course of the movie, they start paying more attention. They start like wanting to pay attention to the news when it's on, and they're getting mm-hmm. a little scared and taking it more seriously. People are starting to buy some canned food and whatnot. Yes, yes there's, there's chaos in the supermarkets. Um, and we lived through COVID, so we can uh, relate to at least a little bit of that. I was looking for the toilet paper. <laughs> um. Maybe that's the one thing I didn't predict, is obviously these post-apocalyptic stories, it's always our food becomes the main currency of the world. But no one's talking about the toilet paper. It wasn't until COVID <laughs> where everyone realized, wait a minute, toilet paper is going to be the most sought-after thing on the planet after food. <laughs> that's what all the bunkers are going to be filled with now. <laughs> yeah, because the first half of the movie, like, I mean, from the, the logistical side of things, it sets up like, okay, there's this crisis plan in place that if stuff happens... Um, like there's this every every city's got someone that's designated to be the leader of the crisis like group, and they sort of introduced to this character, who, and he's just he did have a government job, but it wasn't like he was like a military guy or 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 like he was even in charge of anything like that before. I want to say it was more like, oh, like under city council or yeah. something. They have like a a basement area where it, people would get together. No, but on top of the guy specifically, his, his job was like, oh, he's like the parks department like superior or something like that something like, he, like that he, he yeah. wasn't someone who you would think is the guy he's a zoning guy <laughs> he, he wasn't the guy you think oh he's going to be making the decisions that are life and death uh when things go down mm-hmm. but when they put this plan into action and he's like getting all these other people and many of them the movie points out didn't know that they had these roles assigned to them in advance like you know it's like so they they, they all like gather in this basement of the town hall or whatever it is to sort of run the you know, basically the, the, the government of the post-apocalypse, where after the crisis happens, they have to make all the decisions, but they're trapped down there, right? And, the, you know, obviously the building above's been blown up, and even if they've been protected from the explosion, like, they're not protected from the fallout, they're not protected from the radiation coming down through the vents or or anything like that. This is not an mm-hmm. actual bunker, it's just a basement. Um, But they set up, you know, this guy, they set up the fact that he's sending his wife off to... uh live in the country somewhere. And that's actually one of my little favorite moments of direction is in the second half when he's like, they're talking about the the radiation and the, like, where's, you know, who, like, they look at the map and they've got circles saying everyone in this circle's dead, everyone in this circle's 50-50, and he points to a location and he says, what about here? And the guy's like, well, probably quite bad depending on the wind, you know, it could be this many rads or whatever. And as he's saying this, it cuts to a shot of his wife on the desk. So even if you didn't already clock that he's asking about this location because that's where he sent his wife, the camera yeah. work tells you. And, you know, it's uh, it's just an effective little moment. Yeah, it is effective. And then he has to, like, put it aside in order to get back to business. You know, people are depending on him. It's a good, I guess it is a good distraction during the apocalypse to be like, okay, I've got work to do. Yeah, everyone's got work to do. And I'm just sticking with this thread of uh, all these guys Stuck working on the building. It's a word do you use? <laughs> it's a plot thread. <laughs> but, you know, they're getting agitated. They're having to ration their food. They're talking about cutting people down to 500 calories a day to ration what they've got. 
they're waiting for to be dug out of this place and they're having to make all these decisions and they're basically communicating everything via radio because that's all they've got. But this was one of the examples of eventually you just like see guys like going through rubble and then you realize they're going down to this area and everyone down in this basement who was making decisions just 10 minutes ago in the context of the movie are all dead because this is like you know a month after now or whatever it is by the time mm-hmm. we get to this point but they've all starved to death down here like they were making decisions for like you know two or three weeks in the crisis but they eventually just all died and it's like all of a sudden all these characters we were following down here solving the problems are just gone and mm-hmm. that's something this movie does a number of times in the second half where people are just dead um after the fact yeah i mean when we right before we started recording i, I asked you like did i miss the boyfriend dying <laughs> because i i couldn't remember i i was watching the film and, and then he just wasn't in it anymore and i thought he was the main character so i was like wait what, did did I miss it? Did he die of radiation poisoning? And I mean, I must have just like blinked and missed it. Well, but... he didn't miss anything. He he literally died in the flash of the nuke going off. <laughs> yeah. So if, I mean, I, like, it's a bit silly to just not assume he's dead. <laughs> I guess is what I'll say. Well, he survives the first one because there's two that happen, and he well he. He's outside when it happens. He's like buying lumber off a guy and like hides under a truck. And but the explosion is still kind of far away. Yeah, it's because so, he gets out under the truck and he gets out from the truck and he sees the, the mushroom cloud off in the distance. Yeah. And he's running through the street. But then he's running through the street and there's the flash of light and then there's multiple flashes of light and you see like all the bit like basically he's saying that all the characters we've been following, they're all a safe distance from the first one. Maybe not from like the fallout, but certainly from the blast. Mm-hmm. And then the second one goes off in the middle of the city, and he's literally running down the street when this flash of light goes off. So he's just okay, he's yeah. obliterated into atoms. Like he's he's nothing <laughs> left of him. Yep. So that's what happened to him, our main character. <laughs> well, I, I, you're saying that. Like, I mean, I was going to save the couple and leave them till last to talk about, but you, but you've brought us on to him, so we'll talk about the couple. Um. So he's Jimmy and Ruth. Is the, is the girlfriend, and we're interested in them in the opening scene, and they're in a car, and they're looking down at the city, they're up on a hill, which is kind of like a foreshadowing thing, because he's like, hey, I'm trying to see if I can see my house, and it's like, you know, and there's, there's a bit of irony there, because you're, you're seeing the entire skyline of the city, because this, this thing's going to be obliterated later on, so it's like, mm-hmm. hey, this is what it looks like functioning, <laughs> this is what it looks like with all the buildings intact, because we're going to destroy this later. Um, but it sets up that they're in a relationship um and then the next time you see them it's clear that she's pregnant and then it's like about them like you know you know the parents have found out although they are telling us the dates as this is happening and like he's having the conversation with his parents about what to do about knocking her up the day after she told him it's the next and i'm like would you really tell your parents the very next day like surely you'd keep that to your you could keep that to yourself for a couple of weeks because <laughs> the parents even say the parents even say to him oh have you talked about all your options They're like yeah yeah we want to keep it i'm like it's been a day <laughs> this, this- i mean i guess if they already know they want to keep it then might as well you know talk to the experts in your life the people who have had a kid <laughs> i got confused about what age they were supposed to be because the way he was talking to his parents about it made it feel like they were still teenagers 
but they don't look like teenagers and they immediately like go and like get a, an apartment together because they're going to get married and i was like okay i guess they are older but they're just both living with their parents and still getting their input yeah, on everything i mean they're young lovers right so they're probably right out of high school or something yes. you don't hear they don't talk about school so they must be Never. out no no although it's not the only example in this movie of someone not looking the right age that's right at the end of the movie but i'll talk about yes. that uh <laughs> later um so so we're interested in this couple we're interested in the fact that they've got a baby on the way and they're relatively happy although there is a, an interesting little tangent where he does cheat on her uh because his friend convinces him to like chat up some some ladies in the pub uh and they, he ends up having sex with this other woman and it's just kind of glossed over um it's this mentality that i've seen in a lot of movies that I, i've never understood who thinks this way is that well until you're actually married you're still single yeah and i'm like no that's not how it works <laughs> <laughs> no, why don't you ask ruth of how she feels about that and we'll, we'll see what her reaction is <laughs> yeah is ruth still single also or? <laughs> yeah so, somehow I, I doubt she's uh also chatting someone up whilst pregnant with your child mm-hmm. um but yes so all of this is to say though that it sets up that he likes birds uh not women uh well he likes women too <laughs> but he likes uh actual he likes birds, birds. <laughs> yeah he, he's, you know, he goes to this aviary and he's, he's got books on birds and all that stuff and she you know she, she seems to come from a slightly more well-off family her parents seem a bit more posh his parents feel a bit more working class mm-hmm. uh, they set up that he's got a little brother who's still a kid and also a sister who's like a teenager although she's only in like one scene in the whole movie like she never pops up again i don't think i actually thought that she was the same as the younger brother at first i'm like is that the same character <laughs> no because they're in the same scene together the kids playing these little game and she's like brushing her mm-hmm. hair up at the up at the mirror but i feel like we saw one of them at like a store or something before and then um she showed she shows up again at the dinner scene i'm like oh okay so they're related Unless it was the brother and I thought it was the same person, like I initially thought. Oh no, no big deal. I'll be honest, I am confused by what mistake you're making here because I don't understand. I guess I just made the my own movie in my head the whole time I watched it. I don't, but I don't understand how the young boy with the mushroom, like, dark hair and the blonde teenage girl, I don't understand how you thought well, they were the same character. Well then we must have seen her in another scene then. But why would that make you think she's the same as the brother? I don't understand. Um, I guess I thought that his interaction with a younger sibling was, was the same person. I don't understand any of this. I, 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 Whatever. <laughs> I'm, Let's conf- move on. I'm confused <laughs> by the whole conversation, quite frankly. Well, you said she was only in one scene, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure she was in two. Oh, maybe but she was in another scene, but, she, <laughs> but I still don't understand how that makes her confused for the brother. I, I honestly, I don't remember the younger brother at all. <laughs> the younger brother's who the parents find dead later on with his feet sticking out the rubble. Uh, oh, yeah. And then the dad eventually dies holding his son's little game thing that he was playing. 1984's I, cutting I, edge I technology. I the game, yes. <laughs> I do remember the game. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm glad you remember something. Yeah, it's coming back to me now. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, anyway, right, so 
they set all this up and he just yeah he just runs he was basically running towards ruth he wants to go find ruth and see if she's okay after the first blast and then the flash of light happens and that's when you just get all these flashes of light and everyone's just dying and mm-hmm. ruth is is with her parents at their place and they're in the basement so they've fared quite well they've brought their grandmother in as well because one of the plot points before this is that all the hospitals um in prep for a disaster have basically get rid of all their patients and sent them all home so this grandmother is like with them in the basement and they're surviving and that's like one of the groups we keep cutting back to in the aftermath of the explosions um and this stuff is you know she's ruth is crying she says she doesn't want this baby she wishes it was dead because it's going to be deformed yeah mutant baby come on and it's you know i mean you, you i mean you're rubbing your hands together but it's presented very realistically in this so it's quite depressing when she it is when yeah. she says this i was uh, kind of hoping for a mutant baby and she eventually just kind of leaves her parents and wanders off uh i guess hoping to find jimmy because she goes to their place um and it's worth mentioning every character in this movie eventually dies like every single one of them ends up dead like her parents end up being killed by looters you don't see this you just see the looters leave the the building and then the police grab them and they just mention oh there's a couple in there with their heads bashed in um because at this point people are looking for food and they're robbing from mm-hmm. each other so it's, it's getting into all that stuff um uh like jimmy's parents the mom's like already like half dead after the blast like she's like missing half her hair and she's looking very sick uh, yes, and the makeup's really good in this too yeah yeah no it is uh, and then eventually the dad like outlives her by quite a bit, but he eventually just dies next to like a campfire like a month later. Just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's like everyone dies. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah, this is a real dark, dark movie. <laughs> I mean, there's a scene. There's a scene after she goes wandering off where Ruth is just going through the streets, and like there's just like a thick cloud of like you know dust and dirt and fog and whatever. And she's like wandering through and just seeing people. She sees like a kid looking for his mom at one point. There's sad music. There's not a lot of music in the movie, but there's sad music playing during this scene. And then she sees like a woman holding a dead baby. And it's yeah. just this burned dead baby in this woman's arms as this woman looks up at her like and just stares it's, right at her. There's also like a like a mom or a lady anyway. She looks like a mother's age who's just kind of like wandering mindlessly. And then a, a kid, like maybe like a six-year-old or something, looking around for his mummy but like she's gone like she's mentally checked out and like just abandoning her kid is what i got from that scene anyway so like she's wandering around and she's seeing all these mother-child relationships post-apocalypse and it's just nothing but a a dour (laughs) future for her yeah and obviously she's and her you know ruth in her head this entire time is like i've got i'm pregnant i've got i've got a baby on the way and this is the world that the baby's going to come into um, I don't know how pregnant she is. She's very clearly pregnant. Like she's she's larger at this point, so she's pretty pregnant. But yeah, so th- there's no like. No, not at this point. Oh really? This is like a week after the blast. She's not she's not showing yet. Oh, I thought she was showing. No, no, she doesn't show till later. She shows. You know, Maybe she's just so covered up that I could tell. I thought she was like holding her belly while she was going through here. No, because it, it cuts ahead to like a month or two later and she's starting to show and this is when she's like working and they're trying to like, uh, you know, pick up the crops or you know, whatever crops are left that have survived the, the explosions and the fallout. Like she's working and she trips and stuff. um, And just to sort of stick with this through line, she eventually gives birth, you know, later that year um, by herself. There's no one else there. 
she just spits out this baby in with tremendous pain and holds the baby and the baby and i thought this was <laughs> naively i thought the movie was going to be hopeful here because we were told that there was a high likelihood right both the character said this and the narrator came up saying or the text came up on the screen saying you know high chance of a you know pregnant woman you know post fallout would the, the baby has a high chance the fetus has a high chance of being deformed um and also yeah or dead even or mentally like, stillborn or mentally uh disabled that wasn't the word that used on the screen because this was 1984 i'm cleaning it up a little bit Thank uh, you. Yeah. for for <laughs> for the audience um it began with an r though i'll let your imagination mm-hmm. fill in the rest but yeah. she you know she gives birth to this baby and the baby looks you know it's crying but it looks like a normal baby and i she thought count, she counts all the fingers and stuff <laughs> and i thought oh maybe this is going to be the hopeful part of you know towards the end of the movie is that she has a baby and this future generation might be able to like rebuild the, you know society it might might there might be like yeah. some sort of hopeful future and Plus this, she has a meal she gets a placenta and <laughs> out of it go on explain that <laughs> well she has to cut the umbilical cord which she uses her teeth and it's quite disgusting and then i assume there's placenta i mean so hey baby and a meal pretty good day in the post-apocalypse it's disgusting <laughs> i had to look away from the screen this was horrible her chewing away yeah, at this graphic. umbilical cord it was vile oh god um what is it with the uk post-apocalyptic movies with gross baby I birth know, scenes they can't help themselves this is wild um but no this movie this this is not the start of a hopeful future this is not the start of a hopeful ending the, 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 there is no part of that we we cut ahead 10 years later at this point and ruth has got a 10 year old daughter and they're working in the fields and the text is quite frequent at this point in the movie every time it cuts ahead where it's like Okay, the first crop after, there'll still be some left and they'll be able to harvest that. But the following years? No, no, the soil's all screwed. Everything's, you know, messed up. The fuel for tractors and equipment is all gone, so we can't use those. They don't have pesticides, so insects can get all the crops. The uh, crops are are susceptible to diseases that uh, normally we don't have to worry about. But everything we do, everything so bleak is bleak. Everything's <laughs> gone, and it mentions that the population of uh, of the UK is falling back to somewhere around what it was in medieval times, to under eleven million. And so we we cut to like Ruth and her daughter, and this is the one part of the movie where I'm going to just raise a little asterisk and say, hey, what what gives here? Because you're saying this is 10 years after the bomb. So this child should be 10. Well, technically 9. She wouldn't be 10 yet. But mm-hmm. she was born after the bomb. But Ruth looks really old. Which, I, I don't know. That may actually be accurate because of the the climate. You know, the maybe, world. Yeah. yeah. The, the world might have made her look, you know, grey and old. Because she really shouldn't look that old. Like If this was someone who was like 22 and now they're 32, she should still look pretty she much the same. She has been eating a lot of radioactive sheep, though. Um... Oh yeah, we'll talk about that scene. Um, you, you're so guilty of just referencing another scene. Talk about it. Tell us what happened in it. Well, after you're done with this thread. <laughs> we'll go back. It's, it's, cu- go it's back. cute when I do it. <laughs> that was just a shallow imitation. I'm sorry. It's, it's embarrassing, frankly. I, I don't 
I feel pretty good about it. I know. Everyone's cringing at home. Mm. Or in the car. Or in the bathtub. I imagine some people listen to us in the bathtub. Um, you imagine that a lot, huh? <laughs> sure. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, what's it talking about? Oh, yeah. So Ruth's looking old. Um, but the, So this is 10 years later, right? And they cut to what's supposed to be your 10-year-old daughter. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's not what a 10-year-old looks like. Like, I don't think this world would make someone look like they're 16 when they're only supposed to be 10. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. It's a harsh world out there. <laughs> that's not how it works, though. You look weaker. You look more frail. This is a, this is someone who looks like they're taller and stronger the, the than they should be. The probably has this right versus this film, yes. Meaning what? Meaning, like, the, the, the ages of the how comparison to, like, Vigo and versus the flashbacks and, like, the age of the kid versus how he acts and stuff like that probably is more correct than, like, uh, this film's depiction of it. I mean, I mean, she looks too old, but there is an interesting pivot here because Ruth just dies in a bed. Like, the very next scene is her dying in a bed. And her daughter doesn't cry. Her daughter's not concerned. She just kind of... And she didn't even call her mom. She calls her Ruth. And then just takes mm-hmm. her stuff when she's dead. And it's not like... She's not being sneaky about it. It's like I kind of got the impression that this is just the world she's grown up in. This is just what you do when someone dies. You take their stuff. You don't waste it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like she's been raised where Ruth's like, oh, I'm your mom and you're my daughter. And like, you know, we love each other and we carry the fire inside. Like it feels like a really <laughs> yeah. It feels like a really cold, bleak world, and Ruth has just raised her and no more. And you know, part of me thought that the movie was going to say that, you know, because she specifically said when she was pregnant right after the blast, I hate this baby, I wish it was dead. And I part of me thought was, oh, maybe she's going to love the child now, and that's going to be like the kind of the irony is that, you know. But even even now that she's dying and her kid's like ten, it it doesn't feel like there was this warm embrace because she was she did cry holding the baby when she gave birth you know that was like a moment but it doesn't feel like it turned into this like traditional mother-daughter relationship it kind of just feels like i don't know she has a burden now yeah the burden you're just another person like and for a while you were just someone to feed who couldn't work you couldn't contribute anything because you were just a baby that's something that's brought up repeatedly. Yeah, is we, that... do, we do see the, that she cries a lot, you know. So, I mean, understandably, she's crying a lot. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I think maybe that's just, like, now she has the fear of, like, being found if she's trying to be sneaky or something and hide away. It's just so much of a burden having a baby. But that, that's something that's said repeatedly in the movie is um, that, you know, once things have, like, after a few weeks and, like, there's, they're trying to organize people and structure things and the food's still quite low and there's rations and all that is that people who can work are more valuable than people who can't so the people who can actually do physical labor get get twice as much food um and the people who can't get the bare minimum because they're not contributing anything uh and then of course they point out that when the winter falls that's like okay all the people over a certain age are just gone (laughs) because like you know there's no there's, there's no heating, obviously, that people are making fires, and that's basically all anyone has. And mm-hmm. even the summer was cold. You know, they point out the, the radiation and the fallout, you know, does change the climate. Like, it's not like it's a warm summer. So, yeah. It's, it's all, it's all, uh, it's all very, but anyway, to get back to Ruth and her daughter. So, Ruth dies in the bed, and her daughter just 
takes her stuff and goes about her business. And we get a few scenes of Ruth's daughter. Uh, it cuts another few years, so she's maybe like 13 after a little bit. And she, like, basically she has a little bit of food and these two boys are about the same age. And I can't imagine there's a lot of people of her age, just because, you know, I don't imagine lots of people were having healthy babies um, in the first few years after the, the, the bombs. So yeah. these these two boys are kind of trying to get some of her food and saying, hey, give me some, give me some. And it seems like she joins up with them. Um, and then we see them running together as if they've just stolen food from someone else. And one of the boys gets shot from behind. Um, and then you see her and this other boy together briefly. You don't actually see anything happen, though. You just sort of get a quick glimpse saying, oh, they're eating food together. And then, almost immediately after that, she goes to like a little makeshift hospital saying she's having a baby. So she gives birth, right? So it's like, oh, she's she's had sex, you know, stupidly young with someone. I th- well, I mean, honestly, I think he takes advantage of her in when they're eating food together. When it's just him and her, it kind of implies that. Because at Does- first he's like, give me, give me your share of food. And she's, she fights him. And then it goes into what sounds like. I remember you know, there'd been a noise. I, I remember there'd been like a. Not a scream. It, it, that, yeah, like it a, just seems to imply that this yeah. is no longer just about food. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually something that I was wondering if the movie was going to get into. Because this is something that comes up and like the road was constantly talking about the possibility of these like you know, rabid people the, raping yeah, people. Yeah, the Tasha Yar planet. Yeah. Uh, so, I, yeah, I was wondering if it was going to get to that. I, I wasn't necessarily... You, you're probably right that it was it was forced. It was rape. I, mm-hmm. I, I think, again, much like the, the way people just sort of died off screen and then we found out about it afterwards, I was thinking this was kind of like that, where we just sort of find out afterwards, oh, she's, you know, went through this. Um, that makes us even more depressing, honestly, because what I'm about to say is already absurdly depressing. But the end of this movie is she gives birth and you don't quite see the baby, but you see like the nurse or whoever wrapping it up and they give her the baby. But you see like a little bit, like the camera stays on like the, the springs that they had the baby on before and you just see like some blood on the springs and then they hand her this blanket that's soaked in blood and this baby's clearly dead. Yeah. This is not a living it's baby. It's not making any noise. Like, yeah. yeah there's, there's no baby crying like the last birth that we got. And the final yeah, shot yeah. of this movie is Ruth's daughter looking down at her dead baby, and then it cuts to the title, <laughs> Threads. That's how this movie ends. That, yep. This is the bleakest possible... <laughs> this movie's not about, oh, we can rebuild after the atomic bombs. No, 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 no. This is, we can never let this happen, because it's yes. not even. It's not just bad initially, it's bad afterwards. This is 13 years later, and there's, there's not no even... Hope. A glimpse of like a better future in place. No, but... oh, you're not going to come across the magic, uh, a magic stronghold or or bunker full of canned food in this film. There's no, there's no hope. No, this is and we, yeah, we, we obviously we glossed over. So like Ruth, Ruth has a few things she goes through before we skip ahead in time. You know, in, in the first few months, um, she ends up meeting the friend who mm-hmm. the guy who was with her with jimmy uh, he, that he worked with the one who convinced yeah, him he to recognizes cheat on her. her yeah he's like you're ruth right <laughs> yeah and they, they they're together briefly and one of the main things they do together is they find a dead sheep and he's like he's got his little knife out and he's like hey this is probably safe to eat right and she's like i don't know like you know radiation and he's like yeah but it has a thick coat that protected it and she's like 
you breathe the end though. <laughs> like, just... he, yeah, she says, well, it didn't die of cold because it's got a really thick hide and or thick matte fur. So um, it died of radiation. <laughs> uh, although he does also have a point when he says we don't really have much of a choice. It's this or starve. Although when he said we this. could have cooked the meat though. Well, yeah. <laughs> see, see, when, see when he said that, I thought, oh, they're going to like cut into it and then like, you know, make a fire and cook the meat. Uh, they go into it like they're zombies. Like he cuts a hole and yeah, they, they are, just they, they dive in, which mm-hmm. obviously sells how hungry they are. Like I, you know, I get the purpose of it, uh, but it is quite nasty. <laughs> like none yeah. of this is is appealing. Mm-mm. You know, um, and it, they they mentioned how cold it was. Like it's a winter, so I I assume they were like, okay, we can like bury parts of it or not bury, but like keep keep it frozen because it's yeah. winter yeah of in here, so we can have these. We can cook parts of it as we go, um, and that should help us survive for, um, I don't know, like a week between the two of them or something. Yeah. Maybe oh, longer, I don't know. They don't stay together after this, though. Uh, I just kind of assume he dies because we see her solo. Yeah. Uh, maybe because he eats too much of this meat <laughs> that's clearly, like, really, yeah. really bad for you. Um, and I think this comes after as well. There's like a little scene where... Like the police are actually relocating people into buildings that are still standing, and they go up to this house, and this old man is, and the policeman's like, "Hey, you have to take four people in. The records here show you've got four spare bedrooms." And he's like, "I don't want strangers in my house." And he's like, "Tough. Like you have to take four. This is the law." Um, but then the old guy throws them all out immediately after. Like he just throws their stuff out and says, "Get lost. Mm-hmm. You're not welcome in here." Um, which, you know, uh. I, I, I can sympathize why he's not really adjusted to this idea that the world's not the same anymore. He still sees this as his place. But, <laughs> oh, you know. man. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, most other people's places are rubble. Like, <laughs> they're mostly gone. It, things are pretty dire. Yeah, I mean, you gotta... We always see, like, people solo in these movies, right? People just kind of on their own or just with immediate family or some, some like, one companion... Um, we don't really see like groups of people building a civilization of some kind, no. but this movie kind of tries to like, look, we can all benefit from crops if we all work together. Um, but it, it, for the most part, like no one's, I don't know, like, it, like even the friend who's there for a little while, it's only a few months after maybe, or a couple months after the bomb. So he's probably like, I just am happy to see a familiar face and that's why he's with her for a while. But like for the most part, it's still, yeah. I, I think it's cool that this movie shows that people are trying to not build a civilization, but like work together, you know, for a little bit at least. Um, but yeah, this guy is definitely uh, cutting his ways and um, reminds me of the lady from the Chernobyl miniseries who's just like, I'm not leaving my farm. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> Don't take this away from me, too. Farm? I don't remember a farm in Chernobyl. Yeah, they like kill the cow so that she has to leave. She's there milking her cow. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, I barely remember that now. Um, yeah, I think one of the things we point out is that after the bombs, this movie's exceptionally dirty. Like, there's just constant dirt everywhere, water dripping. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, one of the most, like, one of the first sort of really shocking shots, I thought, is that not long after the bomb, maybe a few days after, it's uh, Jimmy's dad goes out trying to find water and there's like water dripping in the rubble and he holds out his hands to try and get this water. And the two things that stuck out to me about this shot is that 
the water looks brown. It looks dirty and disgusting. But not only that, like that once you've stopped paying attention to that, you notice there's a burned like skull, like behind, like in the darkness just behind it. And it's like he's literally getting dirty water in front of this corpse, and it's just. Uh, that this was the yeah. part of the movie where I'm like, oh shit, they're actually not pulling punches with all the, the shit they're showing here. Like, they're actually mm-hmm. showing people sick, they're showing people losing their hair, they're showing people with, like, half-burned faces, uh, and all these corpses, they're, they're not holding back at all. And I was surprised there's by a, that. There's another scene where a guy, like, drops down to the ground because he sees, like, a, a tiny little puddle of water, like, the small, like, in a mm. in a footprint or something, and just drinks it but it, it looks like mud like it looks disgusting yeah and and it, it's around all the rubble too so it's just like whatever i can get um also i mean this is pretty close after the the, the immediate aftermath of the bomb but we see a couple where she's like asking for a drink and he goes to like he goes to the sink that has been working and sees that the water has been cut off but it's still like kind of coming out and like desperately grabs grabs a bowl or something to to catch it and by the time it gets the bowl there the water is just completely dry it was a good shot good timing yeah yeah there was a lot of those little touches uh throughout so yeah i mean i, I think ultimately the movie sets up very natural realistic characters that aren't necessarily super likable or unlikable for the most part they're just kind of normal people but that mm-hmm. kind of helps when it's like oh no the world goes to shit and then we have to see them all suffer like this and it is suffering there's no there's no emotional arc or journey it's just it's just surviving until a sad pathetic lonely death and then the daughter's survival after that is is yeah the next generation is not our next hope no if it (laughs) yeah like i I wouldn't say it's worse per se but like you know and i think that's where you really start to see um all the post-apocalyptic vibes in this like 10 years 13 years later period um yeah there's a scene where, and this maybe ties into the whole idea that this movie's meant to feel like a docudrama thing you'd show in a school, is there's a scene 13 years in the future where effectively a school class, is, but it's just like a group of like eight or nine kids, are sitting in this old building and someone's hooked up a TV with whatever electricity they've got and they're watching this worn out ancient VHS tape of this uh, like cartoon, like inf- you know, again it's an informative school video talking about skeletons and things and they're saying this is the skeleton of a cat by the way there was a lot of dead cats in this as well uh did not appreciate i was hugging my babies watching this one (laughs) i just see in the in the trivia um it's like the 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 first trivia thing that pops up is that there's a shot of a cat getting like falling over and stuff like that but it's actually done it's a reverse shot because they just gave a cat a bunch of catnip and it just like passed down <laughs> that's good that's, I like but that. it made it look like he was he like he had fallen down because of the blast yeah because that's like that's basically right right after the blast you see these quick shots of this cat try to stand up as if it's like mm-hmm. weaker you know heart um, it's just high <laughs> well that's nice to know catnip. It's, it's nice to know that it's this the cat's fine uh, and no harm <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I, all the cats are fine in this. I almost cheered though, because like you see like three different dead cats while Ruth's wandering on all the rubble, and I thought, what is this? Like, where's the dead dogs? Like, and so when a dead dog finally showed up, I almost cheered. I was like, finally, yeah, a dog. How dare you? <laughs> Can't just all be dead cats. Come on now. It's the only thing that can kill a cat. <laughs> what is the nuclear blast? Mm-hmm. 
They're like roaches. So that's just the, oh, how dare you? <laughs> it's okay. I'm still pro cat despite the beginning of this review. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So I'm just you know the the, the movie paints a very bleak picture uh, that feels at, at least within the realms of believability. You know, it, mm-hmm. most of the stuff it's doing feels like it's based on a fair amount of uh, good, genuine study. And I'm sure there's maybe some small things that actual people with, you know, backgrounds in this type of radiation or who have studied nuclear blasts will probably say, oh, well, here's the things they got wrong. But it does feel much like Chernobyl. It does feel like a lot of thought went into it. And like it's designed to be this warning, not through emotional characters who cry as they're losing their loved ones there's a little bit of that but it's all very down to earth stiff upper lip though um it's more like no we're just going to show how bleak it would be after how bleak it will be a month after how bleak it will be a year after and here's the next generation and they're like and these are people who have grown up without the civilization that everyone you know all the people who survived the blast they grew up in a world from before so they remember civilization and the sort of things they're, they're trying to like fight for but these kids who are growing up after it like they don't even know what the world was like before they're like they are more savage because they don't understand what, what it was like um yeah so yeah and not just that but the movie kind of paints that this is the last generation because mm. kids are not going to be able to effectively have children like a lot of them are the ones that get pregnant like it's very likely that the babies won't survive or, you know, it, it is kind of like this is the end of humanity. Yeah. Despite yeah. who lives on. Um, I don't know. Maybe Australia's fine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe no one bombed Australia. So there's at least one island of civilization still functioning. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Save the good looking people. <laughs> you think Australians are particularly good looking? I mean, they have a pretty high ratio. That's because all the Australians you see are the ones that become actors and shit. <laughs> I, I've been to Australia. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I didn't know that. <laughs> Why would I assume you've been to Australia? I haven't told you. I've been to Sydney and Cairns. You've told me many places it's, you've it's... been, but I do not remember Australia on that list. Yes, I've been to Australia. They are very pretty down there. Okay, so okay. It's not fair. Yes, but they also might die from any random spider, snake, or flower. That... It's true. It, like, only the harshest beautiful people can survive. <laughs> it's so funny to me that New Zealand is, like, right next to them and has all the beauty, but none of the deadly, <laughs> like, creatures. I know. It's weird. Well, except for mines. There's, like, apparently there's a lot of, like, mines left over from war or whatever <laughs> in New Zealand. Oh, I thought you meant mines as in, like, you know, like, where you go to mine... Like a resource. No, like, <laughs> I was like there's a lot of caverns like that people mines. have fallen into. <laughs> Everyone, there's always a chance you'll just fall into an old abandoned mine. Like, That's a really they specific have bo- problem. Bauxite out there, I think. Yeah, bauxite mines. <laughs> uh, yes, land mines. Yes, definitely, definitely a concern. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, well, that's threads. I, I, I think we, I think we covered all the the important stuff that i want to talk about um and then there's some you other stuff the guy on the toilet oh yeah when the bomb goes off there's a guy sitting and having a shit yeah 
I think, I think that's one of the Bloody dads. Hell. I think that's one of the dads because it's the first blast, yeah, that goes off yeah. when he's sitting in the toilet seat. Before it's a curious, the, the uh, curious. It's like the only moment of levity in the whole film. I think it's just meant to show that you can literally be on the toilet seat when this happens. <laughs> What's this now? <laughs> I don't think he said that, but <laughs> I no, appreciate it. I think he said bloody hell. Bloody hell. Yes. Um, hey, if I'm going to go, I think I'd like to go when I'm sitting on the toilet seat. We see people piss themselves and stuff. At least if you're sitting in the toilet seat, you're you're good for the evacuation. Sorry. Everything's ready. That's a very good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's a very good point. Anyway, like no. nice and lightweight for for when you have to run. Oh yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah, because running will help in a nuclear blast. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you happen to be right at the edge of the affected running, area, running to a shelter—I don't know. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Run to a shelter. All right, that's that's threads. Uh, if you have seen it, and it is relatively easy to see because it is on Tubi, like Tara said in the US. Um, so you can you can have a look. Uh, and you know, tell us what you think of the movie in the comments. All the usual stuff. It does help out a lot if you do. Uh. But yeah, that, that'll wrap us up. Um, so we're continuing with post-apocalyptic season next episode. Uh, so join us for that. But um, you can, of course, support all the content over at patreon.com slash TV and so on and so forth. Yeah, I know we've not rated it yet. I'm, gonna, I'm getting to okay. that. I can see I can see you getting ready to jump in and be like, Peter, you've forgotten something. It's, I- it's okay. We can keep, we can keep rolling. Uh-huh. Yes, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, get bonus content, support all the stuff, and keep it coming. Uh, yes, what would you rate Threads, Tara? I think that I, I definitely think that this movie is probably in the seven range, but because I was surprised at how much I liked it, I was surprised at how much the, um, uh, I don't know, like it is, it does feel like an important cautionary tale. Very specific, maybe to its time, but maybe, uh, maybe now again also. So, um, I'm gonna bump it up to an eight. I okay. actually quite enjoyed this a lot. Yeah, I think as of its time, it's definitely obviously born out of the the Cold War and the threat of nuclear annihilation. Which, even though we think of the eighties as being towards the tail end of that, because obviously the fall of the Soviet Union uh, came at the end of the decade, but still very much in there and. Uh, is definitely a product of that time but you know the, the actual study of what the effects would be seems just as relevant like uh, if, if things actually mm-hmm. go down and happen this would this is a still good you know exploration of that so um yeah i think i have to go with the eight as well i think it's it's it also surprised me i think like i got what it was doing in the first half but it's that second half. It's, it's when the bomb hits where you realize just how much effort's went into uh, showing that and showing the effects afterwards. It is a bit late, obviously, in having characters that have arcs, which is something you look for in 99 things out of 100 when it comes to a movie. You know, when it comes to, you know, storytelling, that's what you're typically looking for. That's not to say that it doesn't do little things to make you care in the moment or make you care about the fact that someone's dead. You get this kind of like shock of like, oh, these people are already dead. This loved one's already dead. I mean, that happens repeatedly throughout it. Um, but it is definitely different to a typical story in a movie. Even a story of this, even if you did the exact same premise, 
it would be told very differently by anyone else in any other time period. You know, if Hollywood made this, it'd be very, very different. So, um, yeah. you know, so, but in some ways, it being so unconventional and down to earth is what gives it so much of its bite and effect. So, um, yeah, I, I would still give it a solid eight, I think. That's good. Good job, BBC. I'm just assuming BBC because they referenced the BBC in the movie. I don't actually know if they're the ones that aired it. But, I mean, it's, oh, 19... I say yes. it's 1984, so they've only really got two choices. It's either BBC or ITV, <laughs> so it's probably BBC. Is ITV a bunch of kid shows? No, 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 no. Canada had an ITV, and that's how I watched kid shows. It was on ITV. I mean, they have a kids' block, like a lot of the channels did back then, and I think they had CITV, which was children's ITV on cable when that eventually launched. Hmm. If I, I think CITV this was also, in like early nineties. Yeah, I think CITV is what they called the block where they showed kids stuff, if I remember correctly. But it's been a long time. Hmm. Maybe they had, they had Art Attack. That was one of the only things I watched on ITV. I don't know what that is. I didn't think you would, but I threw it out there for the for the dozen of you in the audience who will get the reference to Art Attack. You're welcome. I know. Are you being served? Um, you're just Dr. naming cats. You're naming the British ones. I know. You're naming random British shows. You're not even naming kids shows. No, I, well, no. ITV when I watched it had like, oh, okay. Are you afraid of the dark? <laughs> oh, that's Nickelodeon. No. I, yeah, but it's Canada. We didn't have Nickelodeon, so we would have Wait. like Nickelodeon shows, some Nickelodeon shows on ITV. But we had Nickelodeon. How did how did the UK have Nickelodeon, but Canada's like no, we've got the knockoff brand. <clears throat> I am four years older than you, so it could just be that the Nickelodeon came eventually. I guess. But but are you afraid of the dark? Was the Canadian show? Oh, so you're saying it was a. Uh... It was a an ITV original, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A, a CITV, which stands for Canada. Ca- Canada <laughs> ITV. ITV. Okay. <laughs> All right, there you go. That's threads, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at salsa.